Welcome to Twas Grace Alone Podcast, a podcast about theology, doctrine, and the Christian life from a Reformed perspective. I hope that you will be encouraged, edified, and above all, that God will be glorified. Soli Deo Gloria. Hey, Tom. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Doing fine, thanks. So we haven't talked in, a, I guess, a couple years other than a few texts. It's probably been about two years, hasn't it? Yes, it has. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Josh isn't with us today. Uh, as of this recording, he's actually... Um, on his way to the beach right now. Uh, but I uh, appreciate you uh, taking the time to come on and uh, chat with me this morning. Yeah, glad to be here. Yeah. So what's new? Uh, since we've talked, plenty, I suppose. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think uh, last we talked... I think I mentioned that I took on an admin position at uh, Westwood, right? Mm, I don't know. Okay, well, I did. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm still kind of in an in-between situation with Westwood. I had been looking for a full-time position outside Westwood for a while, but um, seems the case may be that <clears throat> God has a home for me at Westwood. It's just still being prepared in full. <laughs> gotcha okay so uh tom is a, a, a serves on the pastoral staff at westwood alliance church in i want to say mansfield ohio but it ain't mansfield what's the town over technically it's ontario yeah ontario okay yeah and you might hear a cuckoo clock in the background right now yeah uh so the last I knew, um, you know, when we uh, were talking, you um, served over visitation. So, so what other uh, ministry roles are you playing at, at Westwood right now? Yeah, so I'm still over visitation. I uh, I normally do new new person visits and uh, visits as, as needed outside of that. Uh, but I also have a couple of teams: one female, one male that helped me do visitation as well. Uh, and that's been a great blessing. Um, and then my, and not alongside with that comes, uh, and so they're, they're basically two sides of my uh, work at, at Westwood. I have my internship that had certain responsibilities and now I have an administrative position. So the admin, uh, the internship side it started visitation, but also included uh, work with the youth. So I teach occasionally. I help help lead alongside the youth director and a, and a bunch of other things that, that go along with that. I enjoy that a lot. Um, and then the admin side covers covers a lot of things. I help our one of our pastors, Luke. Um, he does a lot of communication, so I try to I help help him with that, whether it's sending emails whether it's doing editing um, any anything he needs help that way i also help to uh, manage our church database um, and i also help train people or or give people the information they need to to use uh, tools within that database um, and then I, I do a whole swath of other things in the background and I enjoy that too. It's, um, it's kind of, it's making order of things that could be chaotic. Yeah. So it sounds like you stay pretty busy. Busy yes. ministry. Yeah. Usually. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so his last name is Christ. And for the longest time I called him Christ. And it was a few months before you finally corrected me on that. Um, but I met Tom through my cousin, who is the pastor at Westwood, and uh, we've never met in person, but 
Tom come alongside me. Um, I think it was around March of 2020, just just before the pandemic had uh, broke loose, and we were meeting via Skype um, every week uh, for some discipleship. And he, uh, or we read a couple of books together. We walked through the pastoral epistles, and we met for uh, maybe around a year, a little, little less than a year and a half, I think. But um, so I thought to have Tom on, it would be appropriate that we uh, talk about what discipleship is. So um, I'll just give a little brief introduction here, and then I'll, I'll turn it on over to Tom. So the word discipleship never occurs anywhere in the scriptures. Um, the word disciple does, but it's like Trinity. The word Trinity is not in the Bible, but it is certainly in, implied. So we get the idea of discipleship. Um, the, big, the one example that comes to my mind immediately is, is the relationship between Paul uh, Paul and Timothy, but we'll get into that a little deeper later. So there's three things we can mean about discipleship. It can mean to preach the gospel so that people get converted and thus they have become disciples. It can refer to a person's personal relationship and, and their pattern of life in, in following Christ. But the de definition that, that um, we're going to focus on today is helping others grow in their faith and in their relationship with the Lord. John Piper said people need to become Christians. People need to be taught how to think and feel and act as a Christian. And that is a disciple. Um, you know, kind of where the church culture where I'm from, and, and it's not concentrated to this area only. I mean, it's, I'm sure this is a problem throughout the church uh, as a whole, but the concept of the idea of discipleship, a new believer in Christ, and someone, an older Christian coming alongside and, and taking the time to meet and stuff, it's, it's, not, um, it's not common. Uh, you know, growing up, I don't know that that concept ever, you know, even entered my brain. You know, a person gets saved, they're encouraged, you come to church on Sundays, Sunday night, Wednesday, and, and you just kind of sit under the, the uh, preaching and teaching of the pastor, but to have the meaningful one-on-one -on -one, uh, relation, you know, relationship with other believers is, is not common. At least it's, you know, I don't see it. I have uh, attempted uh, on a few occasions to try it with people. Nobody seems to be interested. Nobody would, would commit. And early on, I had asked a pastor if he could meet with me uh, regularly. And he's like, I, I don't have time. Now, looking back in God's providence, it was good because I would, you know, this would not have been the, a good pastor to you know to sit under but i didn't realize that at the time and it was just something he wasn't even gonna gonna entertain so anyway with all of that um we have a, three questions i want to try to answer here so i'll go ahead and throw it over to you tom and answer the first question a little more in depth what is discipleship yeah uh discipleship i think the, the easiest answer to that is it is the training of disciples to know his commands and obey them. Uh, and so the, we get that from Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and I'll read that for us here. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is Jesus speaking. Uh, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And it's especially um, that last part where we kind of get the idea of discipleship, uh, at least what is in most people's mind, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Um, and so really all we're doing is we're trying to... Uh, make disciples of all nations and teach them to observe all that Jesus has commanded us. Um, now there, is there any specific way that, that we do this? Yes. Um, and we, we can get into that in a moment, but that that's the simplest definition of discipleship that I, that I have. And just a uh, heads up here. I am very, unprepared this morning as you know i've kind of had some some crazy things this week you know kind of life kind of smack you in the face kind of thing so 
I'm going to do, do the best I can here, but so, okay. Um, so the next question, and I don't really have any, anything to add to that. So, um, so what, let's see, I'm losing my train of thought here. Oh, so, okay. So why is this important? So, so why is discipleship so important in the life of the believer? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, to, to help me think about it, you know, I, I asked myself, you know, why does discipleship exist? Uh, and the answer to that is that Jesus made a way of salvation for us. We're, we're in a place where we've sinned against a holy God and um, we owe him an infinite debt due to our sin because uh, the wages of sin is death. Uh, but Jesus came down, lived a perfect life for us died the death that we deserve and rose again, proving that God accepted his sacrifice on our behalf. Um, so Jesus makes this way of salvation for us. He offers it to us. Uh, and so that makes, uh, so he has this, this call, you know, this is what I've done for you. Believe in this. You're going to have eternal life. But that, that doesn't mean you live life the same way that, you did before it means that actually your life's going to change um you have to count the cost of becoming a disciple because it's not just uh it's not just you know a prayer and then you're and then you're in heaven after you die it's um, a life-changing event that leads to further life changes as your life continues um and so the, to go back to your question, why is it important? Well, discipleship helps us to uh, know Christ and to become like him. How do we do this? Um, it's, it's through knowing God's word, prayer, fellowship with other, other Christians, and with, with discipleship in particular. Um, this is, you have a relationship with another person usually an older a person who is older in the faith not necessarily older than you um who takes you along and shows you how you should think speak and act according to what christ has taught um and then the, the other really simple reason why does discipleship exist the is because we're called as we read in matthew 28 uh to make disciples and so the, this is a necessity for us as we consider how to uh, obey God's call. Now, I'm, I'm assuming you, you will agree with me on this, because um, I could hear someone raising this argument and saying, well, discipleship is not my gift or my calling. Now, we certainly agree that there's certain people that's far more gifted in teaching than others. Not, not everyone can be a pastor or a preacher. Not everyone can teach the, uh, in a, or have the gift of teaching, you know, like in a, a Bible study or something. But would you kind of agree that, I don't know that, I wouldn't say that this is a specific gift for certain ones. I think that this call goes out to, to every one of us. And, and I'm sure you agree with that to some level. I mean, if we if we're following the Lord and we have some knowledge you know, I think that we can come alongside uh, a new believer in the church. And, um, you know, it's like, for example, um, in Acts with Priscilla and Aquila. Now, he's, you know, they sat down with Apollos and they it just simply they taught him the ways more accurately. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, do you see what I'm getting uh, you know, following me here? I don't think that it's necessarily certain ones that have you know, the gift of discipleship. I think it's a responsibility on some level for, for all believers. Do you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, this call in Matthew 28 mm. is, is to the disciples. And at this point, these are, are Jesus' main disciples uh, that he's speaking to. And so he's not saying, you know, you, Peter, or you, John, you know, he's not talking to just the people who wrote scripture. He's talking to his whole group there, and that group extends to all Christians. There is no uh, gift of discipleship. 
we're all called to it. Um, now, obviously, every Christian is in a different place. Yes, we feel yeah. less adequate, but uh, the truth about that is we are inadequate by ourselves, mm-hmm. but we're not by ourselves. The Holy Spirit has indwelt us. He has made it possible for us to read the scriptures, to understand them, and to obey them. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we are all adequate in Christ to disciple somebody. Even if, even if you don't know tons about the scripture, you're going to know more than uh, a new believer, most likely. You know, if you've lived any length of time as a Christian. So there are certain things you know that you, you may take for granted that a new Christian may not even know to think about that you just think about naturally because you've been living as a Christian your whole life. Discipleship isn't necessarily a specific process. I I kind of have a certain way that I, I tend to go about it, but uh, you know, the, the way I do it is not, uh, is not the pattern that every person has to follow. You know, when we get to get to talking about what I do personally, but um, discipleship is for every Christian and, None of us is excluded. If you're, if you're preaching the gospel, which all of us should be doing, we should be preaching the gospel to the lost. We should be having those gospel conversations with unbelievers. Um, you know, the God's word is going to be working in the hearts of unbelievers, and some of them will come to know Jesus. And then it is part of our uh, duty as, as a Christian to help disciple them. Now, we may not always be the person who ends up discipling them. You don't have to disciple every convert you make, but uh, you should be helping them to find somebody who can disciple them, uh, even if you don't have the bandwidth at the time to do it yourself. Um, Because eh, all of us have been in the place where we're like, okay, well, how, how do I do this as a Christian? You know, how, how can I be a Christian lawyer? How do I be a, a Christian while I'm a plumber? How, how do I be a good Christian father or mother or any, any number of, of situations come up? And you're like, well, what would Christ have me do in this situation? And uh, discipleship is really valuable in those moments because you have someone you can go to, someone you can talk to who knows the scriptures better than you do. And has lived life as a Christian longer than you have and can walk you through uh, those problems biblically. Um, one example that, uh, that just came to mind, and like I had said earlier, it's kind of assumed, um, I, think, I think largely just in the church culture as a whole, you know, you get saved get your butt in that pew on Sunday mornings and then we just rely too much on the pastor and we assume that you know as the pastor is preaching that that convert may be you know you know kind of following they may may understand they may be reading the bible or something themselves and and learning but the example that comes to mind is in Acts chapter 8 when the Ethiopian eunuch is reading from the book of Isaiah and uh is it uh, Peter right goes up to him i think uh, uh philip you mean F- philip yeah philip so philip goes up to the eunuch and he says do you understand what i'm reading and what's the eunuch say he's like how can i unless someone explains it to me and of course philip got up and uh, got up in the chariot with him and as they went along he began to unpack uh began to unpack everything and and i think we we kind of assume or kind of forget the importance of that, you know, that we can't assume that somebody's just trucking along, you know, a lot of people's not going to speak up. A lot of people's not going to mm-hmm. say, Hey, I'm not following, you know, I'm not understanding this. Can you help me? And we should certainly never assume that we, um, you know, and that's, you know, true, true in our own lives. I mean, for, for me and, and I know for you, you know, I, I rely a lot on commentaries. You know, I, I read the Bible. I don't, I'm not always following. I rely on study Bibles, commentaries, sermons, to help explain stuff to me. And it's, it's so amazing how you can get kind of be confused and you can read that one little paragraph in a commentary and it just 
everything unravels from there. Um, but, you know, Philip set up, he began to sit in the chariot and began to explain everything to him. And then the eunuch was baptized. He went on, uh, you know, rejoicing in the Lord. Paul tells Timothy in Second uh, Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. And trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. There is Paul's, you know, telling Timothy, you've, you know, I've taught you, I have instructed you. Now I'm sending, you know, you are to go out. You are to begin to teach other faithful men who in turn will teach others, who in turn will teach others and on and on and on. He even uh, tells the women over in Titus to teach the children and to teach other women. So, so yeah, you know, you know, like we had said, this is a kind of a mandate for for all believers. And you know, the, like you said, the context and where we're at in our relationship could be or it is a lot different. But at the same time, we still have some knowledge that we can 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 help impart um, can help impart to new believers. So do you have anything else to add before we move on to the to the next question? Uh, well, let me hear the next question and I'll see if I need to add anything. Okay, so the next question is, uh, what does this look like? Um, and, you know, when, when you and I, or you said a moment ago that, you know, it can look differently, you know, for different people. Um, I don't think that, you know, there's no one formula for this. Uh, when you and I met, you know, we uh, met weekly, so we would study a passage of scripture one week. We'd get together, we'd pray, we'd discuss that. In the next week, we was reading a chapter in, in whatever book, you know, we were reading it, and, and we alternated out. So there's, there's no real um, set formula for how this should look. But, um, you know, to answer that question, you know, what's, what, what does this look like, you know, you know in, in the life? So do you have uh, anything for that? Yeah, I mean, I think the the first thing is, um, you know, what to go back to the purpose of discipleship, and that's ultimately, you know, conforming the way we think, the way we speak, and the way we act according to the Word of God or all that Christ has um, commanded us. Uh, so that, to, so keeping that purpose in mind. What, what does dis discipleship entail or what's involved in that? Well, there are at least three things that you kind of want to have, no matter what your discipleship looks like. You want to have time in the word. You want time in prayer. Um, and you want time to live life together in the ordinary. Um so you want those three things because, because first of all, you need to know what Jesus commands. So time in the word is necessary to understand that. Um, time in prayer helps us to think about, to pray through what we have learned that God has commanded, to ask for help, to obey those commands, to work through our own sinfulness while we're trying to obey those commands. Uh, amongst other things. And then living life together in the ordinary is, um, you know, spending time outside of those specific times where you may be spending time in the word and in prayer, just to, just to hang out, to get to know each other, to um, go through ordinary things in life, uh, whether it's doing chores around the house, whether it's uh, you know, for me, going to do visitation or doing some of my admin responsibilities, uh, you can take people along um, in, the, in those things to help them see, okay, we've talked about these things from the word and we prayed about it. So what does it actually look like when a Christian lives that way? And... Uh, there are just some, there are some things in life where it's better seen so that it can be caught by the one who's trying to learn it. 
because you, a lot of times you can talk about doing something, but then uh, when it comes time to actually obey, you, you can oftentimes miss that opportunity. But if you've seen it done, you're like, oh, so that's what that looks like. Sometimes it becomes easier to apply that to your life when you've seen it in other life situations, whether they're the same as the ones you're experiencing or even if it's different, but you see how it can apply to your life personally. Um, but I think, um, I think it would help a little bit to talk about, you know, what, what does it take to be, to be a disciple? Because I think, uh, Sometimes people think being a Christian is very simplistic, like I mentioned earlier, and you're just saying a prayer and then they're saved and that's it, um, which you certainly do need to believe in, in Jesus, um, but it's more than just belief in him, but also living your life the way he wants, you know, learning to know his commands and obey them. Um, but Jesus actually has... Uh, a specific pattern that he asks for Christians to obey. I'm going to turn to Matthew 16, 24 here uh, to read that so that we have an idea of what, what a Christian life in general, including discipleship, entails. So Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So you have three things there. And so you have denying yourself or uh, what we would call repentance. You have taking up your cross, which is part of believing, believing in Christ. And then uh, you have following, which is obedience. So you have repentance, belief, and obedience. That's all part of being a disciple. So denying yourself is that idea of, okay, this is what I would like to do, but this is what, but then on the other side, this is what Christ would have me do. To, I have to deny myself, deny my sinful desires in order to follow Christ or to obey Christ. So as you, as you see uh, your sinful desires, you have to deny yourself those sinful, those selfish desires. And you take up your cross, what, what Christ has called you to. You, be, you believe his words that you've read in, in the scriptures or heard preached. Then you're like, okay, I believe this. I believe this is a way that Christ wants me to live rather than what I want to do. Now, I'm seeking to follow Christ in obedience. And uh, as we talked about earlier, this process is only possible because the Holy Spirit is dwelling within us to make that uh, possible. And um, just as an encouragement, but also as a way of instruction, um, I'm going to turn to Romans 8 read 5 through 13, but 11 through 13 will be specifically helpful to us. So Romans 8, starting in verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. For those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, 
He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So here in this passage, he talks about this, uh, this two-sided coin. Or maybe two two ways to live. You can either live according to flesh, and by the flesh we mean our our sinful desires. You can live according to the way you want to live, but that leads to death. Or you can live according to the spirit, and that is life. So uh, we have the spirit, and the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us, and He's able to give life to our mortal bodies. And in that, he also makes it possible uh, to put to death the deeds of the body. And what it means by put to death the deeds of the body, it's again talking about those selfish, sinful desires that we have that we often act upon. Um, We're able to deny ourselves and actually do what Christ asks. A lot of times we think that Christ is or that God is trying to ruin our fun and um, just make life miserable for us. And that can certainly be be what we feel like. But the reality is that when we deny ourselves, we're actually making a life-giving decision there. Because ultimately our sinful desires lead to a kind of death. You know, if you truly live that way, if, if you're not really Christian, then it's going to lead to, to death uh, in multiple ways, especially in the end. Um, but there are kinds of, there's a kind of way that um, a Christian can experience sin's consequences of death or, or destruction in our lives while still being able to be redeemed uh, that we don't necessarily see see in the same way so let me put it this way so let's say that you know my my dad uh wants me to do the dishes that that was one of my responsibilities growing up um i don't want to do the dishes but i know i should obey my obey my dad and i don't really have a good reason not to obey him so i have two choices there one between life and one in one of death. Life is o- obeying my father. Which is ultimately obeying God. Who commands me to obey my father and mother. To honor my father and mother. Or I can choose to rebel. And not obey my father and mother. Or honor them as such. When I chose not to obey my dad. There were consequences for that. Consequences were dishes weren't done and still needed to be done. Consequences were being punished by by my dad. He disciplined me for disobeying. Um, I didn't get to enjoy the fact of obeying. There's actually blessing in obedience, as James tells us in James 1. Um, So there's a kind of death where I'm losing out to the life and the blessing that comes with obedience. We, often, we don't often think of obedience that way. We don't think of it, of it in the life-giving nature that it naturally has. Um, but that's the truth. Every, every decision, whether we're, we're looking to deny ourselves and live for Christ, it's a choice between life and death. And so we want, we obviously want to choose life, but in our sinfulness, we want to choose death. Uh, but as I said, you know, the, the Holy Spirit is the one who makes it possible for us to deny ourselves, to not choose death, but actually put to death our desires to, to choose that death and instead choose life to, to obey Christ. 
Um, and I think we're, we're still talking about, you know, what does discipleship entail, right? So, um, so we, we talked about um, a little bit of what Daniel and I did. You know, we, and, and so the, I guess the, the simple way to explain, you know, um, how do you do discipleship? You know, if you're, if you're the person who is going to disciple someone, what does that look like? Well, the first thing that I try to do is I try to figure out where the person is in their walk with Christ. Because that's going to tell me what kind of work I need to do. Um, so if a person is a new believer, I have to start at the very beginning. I have to, first of all, make sure that they're really saved. I have to make sure that they understand the gospel and that they believe it. And if they believe it, is their life beginning to change? Am I starting to see the fruits of the spirit that, uh, the fruit of the spirit that we see in Galatians 5, 22 and 23? Are we seeing, are we seeing some of those things uh, coming out of them naturally? And obviously you have to be involved in that person's life for, for you to see that or at the very least uh, know people who are in his life or her life um, and say, you know, is, is their life different? You know, well, what, what's different about them now that they call themselves a Christian, um, a disciple of Christ? So that, that's really the, the first thing. You want to make sure that they're actually saved. Because if they're not saved, then what you really need to do in the first act of discipleship is Help them to understand the gospel and call them to believe it. Because if you're not if you're not a Christian, if you're not truly believing in Christ, then we can't go any further in discipleship because you don't have the Holy Spirit to help you change. Um, so the first first thing I try to do is uh, figure out where a person is. After that, I can uh, start to ask them. Um, you know, well, what do they know? What do they not know? What are they interested in knowing? I can, I can tailor things according to how, uh, where, where their interests lie, what they know, what they don't know, and, and kind of fill in the gaps for them. Um, and so that, that's what I do often, um, that that's worked for me. But, well, let, let's say that, you know, you're, you're not as well versed in in some of these things. You're like, you know, I'm not sure where to start. Well, the easiest place to start is by reading the Word of God together. But like we talked about, every Christian who's been a Christian for any amount of time knows the Word to some degree. Start start in places that you're familiar. The Gospels are probably the easiest place to start. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. A lot of people. Uh, say John is a good place to start, especially for newer believers, if you're discipling uh, a new believer. Um, and you can just slowly work through that. And so what, what are you looking to do in that time while you're reading the scripture? Well, you want to become more familiar with that scripture. Uh, you can take time to memorize some of that scripture. And you're looking to apply that scripture to your life and to the person's life whom you're discipling. Because uh, remember, well, what are we looking to do? We're looking to help this person know the Christ commands and to obey them by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so they need to know the word in order to do that. Um, then you want to take take time in prayer daniel and i uh you know we we always took a little bit of time well sometimes it was a lot of time depending on on our meeting but um we took time just to talk about what was going on in each other's lives and share shared that there there does have to be a degree of openness in that relationship doesn't mean you have to reveal every little detail of your life um but you shouldn't be a closed book you should you should have your your life open to that person 
uh, to various degrees so that they, they can know that, number one, you're, uh, you're actually living life the way that you say you ought to, um, and also that, okay, this person's willing to share with me, and so that often opens the pathway for people to be comfortable to share with you. I found that time and time again, especially in visitation, uh, how valuable that can be. And so you, you want to, to share what's going on in your, in your lives. So have time for that. Um, you know, there, there are times where, uh, where I've devoted more time to that part because maybe I don't know the person as well uh, as I should or, or just, you know, haven't had tons of time with them. So, for example, um, you know, I do a lot of discipleship with, with youth. That's, that's typically, you know, because I'm in, engaged in ministry in that sphere, uh, I have opportunities to ask young men if they'd like to be discipled. And, um, and I've done that over, over the past couple of years and current disciples currently discipling another young man right now. Um, and so, you know, I, the, the current young man I'm discipling, I don't know a ton about. I know he's a, he's a bright young man. I know he loves the Lord and is, is seeking to share the gospel and live his life according to Christ. Um, but I didn't know much about him personally, you know, uh, what he likes, what he doesn't like, what he does uh, with his spare time, that kind of thing. And so, uh, you know, in our first meeting, I, I spent at least 20 to 30 minutes of our time just talking to him about what he likes to do, what he, what his life is like um, to get to know him. Uh, so it's helpful to have those times, he, whether it's, you know, a large chunk of time or maybe it's, uh, you know, a small amount of time over, over the course of when you meet. Um, and in terms of how often you have to meet, um, and again, this really, it's not a have to, it's, okay, what is my schedule? What is this person's schedule? How often can we realistically meet? Uh, what can we do in the time that we do meet? And what should we do outside the time that we meet? Um, because those are, those are different, different parts. So, um, because I'm, I'm single and I have a little more time, I can meet oftentimes week to week. But other times, you know, it, it turns out whether it's because of my schedule or somebody else's that it's every other week. Or maybe, maybe even it's even less than that. Uh, maybe it's once a month you can meet and, um, and you're looking to make the most of that time. Any of that is okay. The, the key is to try to have consistency, try to keep each other accountable in that. Um, and, and, you know, ultimately you're, you're moving to help, help that young person or that person younger in the faith in you to conform their thinking, speaking, and acting according to the word of God to help them to know the commands of Christ and to obey them. Good stuff. <clears throat> and one other thing that I would note now, you know, in our context, we, we met via Skype and, you know, we made it work. That's obviously not the, the ideal way to meet. Uh, you know, we're about seven hours away. So that was the only way that we can meet. But, uh, you know, what you had said earlier about um, there needs to be some sense of openness, uh, transparency, you know, you know, in our lives. And, you know, for you and me, we would meet roughly hour, hour and a half, uh, you know, every week. And that was the only time that we, you know, would engage. I mean, we would, you know, text uh, a few times, but, you know, the, doing it one-on-one -on -one in person obviously is the, is the ideal. And I would say that's 99% of the time, you know, that's, that's the best way, way to go. Just our context was a, was a little bit differently, but uh, this week I was studying in Second Timothy, um, yeah, Second Timothy chapter three. I just wanted to kind of note, you know, something, you know, going along those lines. So Paul is um, telling Timothy, starts in verse ten. I'm going to read through uh, fourteen. 
excuse me. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And, you know, that first verse where he says, you have followed my conduct. Uh, now, obviously, he's writing a letter to Timothy here. I'm not sure how far they were separated at this point, but, you know, Timothy... And Paul, you know, they spent time together. Uh, Paul got, or Timothy got to observe Paul's life, his conduct, which, you know, that's important, obviously, for ever, ever a believer. Uh, I, I've heard people, and, and, and I hate it when they say this, and I, and I know you do too, when they say, I preach the gospel with my life. Well, that's really not how we preach the gospel. But there is a sense in which there is, you know, there is some truth to that. Yeah, we communicate the gospel verbally, but our conduct and our way of life will tell if our profession of faith is genuine and the fruits and things that we bear. And, you know, it's very, very important as someone who is discipling, you, you know, you've got that extra responsibility now and it's you, every Christian has that responsibility, but there's someone for a season that's going to be looking at you and, and your life. And as he tells Timothy in uh, chapter four, verse 12, you know, keep a close watch on yourself and your teaching. And, uh, you know, so there's extra responsibility, accountability there, you know, that, that your conduct in life is uh, consistent with the profession of faith that you have. And, you know, he talks about his persecutions. You know, how did Paul respond to those persecutions? Was he angry at his persecutors? Did he retaliate? Well, Timothy would have seen that, uh, seen that in his life. So the way we conduct our lives is crucial throughout our entire life as a Christian. But, you know, when you're discipling and that person looking at you, that is, that is a very, that is a very important thing. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just an en encouragement uh, to, to those who may be listening and maybe haven't done a lot of discipleship or maybe haven't even been discipled themselves and are wondering, you know, even with, with all this information, um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't feel like I know the word particularly well. I don't, and I don't feel comfortable trying to uh, teach somebody else, even if they are younger in the faith than I am. Um, well, here's some encouragement for you. One of the blessings of obeying Christ in, in discipling other people whether it's a new believer or, or one who's just younger in the faith than you are, is that you actually get to learn along with them. So one, one freedom that you have as someone uh, discipling another person is that you can, you can set the agenda. You can say, you know what? Um, I think it would be helpful if we went through, through this book or through that book of the Bible or, uh, you know, do a study on, uh, on faith or on, on anger or, you know, what you, you can, you can choose things that would be helpful to you too. I mean, no matter what, it's going to be helpful to you because all, all of scripture is beneficial to us, whether we realize it in the moment or not. Um, but the, the great blessing of discipleship is that you learn a lot. You learn a lot through that discipleship process. The person you're discipling is going to ask you questions that you're not always going to have the answer for. And uh, the nice thing is, is you can say, I don't know. But your next, the next sentence out of your mouth should be either let's find out together or, you know, let me, let me uh, research that and I'll get back to you. You don't have to have all the answers. I know I certainly don't have all the answers. You know, Dan Daniel is a very inquisitive man. And so um, there were times where I had no idea whether or not uh, 
I had the right answer to his question. And so sometimes because I have, I have a larger uh, amount of time as a Christian and uh, know the scriptures fairly well, I was able to give what I thought would be the answer, but then I would go back and confirm that that's what the scriptures actually taught because that's, uh, that's what's most important. We want to teach God's word faithfully and accurately so that when we are discipling somebody else, they learn that same true, accurate way so that they can live their life uh, in full obedience to Christ. Um, something you had said there, and I was trying to remember the last part of that verse that I quoted about keep a close watch on yourself and your teaching. Actually, I said it was 2 Timothy 4.12. It's 1 Timothy uh, 4.16, so I was way off there. But um, when you had mentioned that not only does you know the, the person you're discipling learn, but you're, you're growing yourself, and when Paul uh, tells that to Timothy, he says, keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So, so you know, you, when you said that, I remember there's a second part to that verse, and I go to look at it. And to my surprise, it wasn't in chapter 4, verse 12 of 2 Timothy. So, but, but yeah, I mean, I mean you, you know, you learn, you grow, you know, you grow yourself in doing that. So, like you said, if you don't know the answer, well, then you're going to go study. And then, then there, you know, you have grown, and then you guys have grown grown together so well you were right when i said let's keep it at 30 minutes you said i was very optimistic and we're already at 51 minutes but time sure flies <laughs> yes so do, so do you have anything else to add or do you want to go ahead and close this out um i i think i'll i'll just do do a little review or just uh, yeah a brief outline of um of what discipleship can entail because i i mentioned you know three things time in the word time in prayer and time living life together as possible um but again you know it doesn't have to look you don't have to spend spend that time equally uh, the the way you're looking to do, you're trying to see where the person is, what the person could benefit from, and you can take your own needs in, into account there. Um, you want to find find a consistent time that you can meet and take that take time to to be in the Word and in prayer uh, and talk about what's going on in in each other's lives. Um, but you also, uh, you know, similar similar to a counseling situation, you also want to have homework during the week. So one one thing that Daniel and I did, because you know Daniel was uh, was very enthusiastic, and so he wanted to be in the Word and he wanted to be going going through a book, which is not always the case. You don't have to you don't have to do as many things as that. Sure. That can be very overwhelming, especially if it's your first time discipling um or being discipled too <laughs> so sometimes it's nice to keep it simple um so so take that into account but you you want to have some idea of what you're going to do while you meet so okay do i have any any scripture that we're going through during this you know does that person does my person need to uh read the scripture leading up to our meeting do should i have them take any notes or write down questions about the passage uh there there are any number of things where you can help um help to form what's going to happen and so you you want to have an idea of what you're going to do within the time that you meet and you want to have an idea of what you want to do outside the time that you meet so for for daniel and i um, you know, the, it started out where, okay, we're going through scripture. Okay. So we want to be reading that scripture, thinking about it. Um, and, and more, and we'll talk about it as we, as we walk through the, through a passage, because we would go through different passages and, um, 
and talk about it together, what it meant and what it could look like and um, try to apply it to our lives. Uh, but then uh, there'd be times where we'd be going through a book. And so we'd talk about the book, the scriptural principles that were, were through in that. But, you know, in between the, the time that we met, well, there are things you need to do. So sometimes that's going to be, all right, this is the next scripture that we're reading together. So take time to read that. Read that several times over. Uh, and, you know, write down what you think that it says and what it means. Um, think about, man, think about maybe memorizing, uh, you know, a few of those verses. You know, you can give homework, essentially. So thinking about, the time, what happens outside the time that you meet is helpful. Um, and like I said, you know, so sometimes you're not going to have a lot of time, not only to prep, but also in the time that you actually spend together. Um, so don't feel guilty about the amount of time that you're able to put in. If you're, if you're able to cut things out in your life, uh, you know, maybe cut 10 minutes of TV time or, or anything, anything like that, anything extra that tends to take up more time it, than it should, like time on social media, for example, um, that I can help you because discipleship does take intentionality, but it, at the same time, it can be very simple too. You know, you can, you can just do the same homework that you're, uh, that the person you're discipling is doing. You can, Read, read the word that they're, read the word in the passage that you're studying together. You can, you can write down questions, write down what you think it means, go, go verify with commentaries or other trusted Christians that you know. It's like, well, this is what, what it reads to me. Is this really what this is saying? Um, yeah, that's, that's one of the blessings of having other believers in our lives. Um, and then you, you can have have your time together. How it doesn't have to be an hour or an hour and a half. That I just happen to be long winded, so my my time my times don't don't tend to be short. Um, but you have to you have to adapt to what time you actually have. Um, but but please, you know anyone who is listening to this or may listen to this in the future, you are called to disciple. And by the grace of God and the power of God, you are enabled to disciple. Um, so I would encourage you, number one, to find your Timothy. Find the person to disciple. But you should also look for someone to disciple you. Look for your Paul. And uh, because there's there's great blessing in having an older Christian to uh pour into you. I've had the benefit of many, many older Christians uh, engage in discipleship with me. Um, you know, if you're, if you're a parent, you're already in, uh, engaged in discipleship, whether you know it or not. Because <laughs> uh, you're teaching your, your kids in the way that they should go. Um, but uh, as a parent, you can try to be more intentional. Okay, well, let me take time in the word, time in prayer. Let me, let me be a good example for my kids to show them what it means to live the Christian life and to repent when it doesn't look the way it ought to. Because they're going to see it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly, uh, especially the ugly. So helping them to, to work through that, to see what it means to be a, a Christian, even when it's not pretty. Um, but and all of us are called to it. Any of us can do it. But... You can also be a disciple too. You can have the blessing of not having to prepare that, and it's it's also a good chance to to learn learn how to disciple somebody. You can learn somebody else's pattern, and it may work for you the way they do it. But maybe you'll learn principles within the way they're doing things that will help you along the way. Um, but ultimately, we're just trying to obey the Word of God, right? That as disciples of Christ. We're trying to obey all that Christ has commanded us. And along the way, we're trying to uh, make disciples who can know the word of Christ and to obey his commands together.
absolutely. All right. Well, once again, Tom, I appreciate you taking the time uh, this morning to meet with me, and it's good talking to you again. Yes, it was a great time today. Yeah. All right, well, uh, Lord willing, Josh and I will be recording at, uh, our next episode, I think week after next. Uh, we're going to try to try to record, and it's going to be a, a, a little whimsical. It's uh, I can do all things through a verse taken out of context, and we're going to walk through some commonly uh, misused verses uh, in the Bible. So unless you have anything else uh, to say, Tom, we'll go ahead and close out. Yeah. God bless right. and make disciples. There you go. All right. Grace and peace. Talk to you later, Tom. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Twas Grace Alone podcast. You can head on over to our website where you can find a ton of great resources, including some book recommendations. You can also drop us an email or leave us a comment. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube page. You can find the links to all of these in the show notes. Until next time. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.